0: Here's our first reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And now, Acts chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the, into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Our final reading this morning comes from Colossians chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Here is a famous quote from St Francis of Assisi in the 13th century AD. Preach the gospel at all times, when necessary use words. It's a good comment, it, uh, it works for us. It assumes somehow that people can see the gospel in our lives and that our lives must adorn the gospel. And it's a phrase that helps us when we find that using words is hard or confronting but here's the problem according to mark garley the former editor of christianity today he didn't say it at least not as far as we know now how does mark garley know this well he's an expert uh, on saint francis Uh, first there's no record of him saying this anywhere in his lifetime and second we know for a fact that francis used words francis couldn't help speaking. Garley says, The problem is that he did not say it, nor did he live it. And these two contrafacts tell us something about the spirit of our age. Listen to these insights. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary goes hand in hand with a postmodern assumption that words are finally empty of meaning, and it subtly Denigrates the high value that the prophets and Jesus and Paul put on speaking. He puts a caveat in, of course. uh, Of course, we want our actions to match our words as much as possible, but he writes the gospel is a message, news about an event and a person upon which the history of the planet turns. The gospel is a message. It's an announcement. If I can put it this way, there's no point in winning a great war and not letting the oppressed know about it. Today, we begin a three week series called How to Talk About Jesus Three Takes on Mission. And the first week, we're talking about your voice, finding your voice. Next week, we're going to talk about Christ's Passion, which is our model. And then we're going to find our collective voice, Mission in Community, on October the 3rd. Me, Christ, us. And they'll build on each other during the series. Now, why are we doing it? Well, three reasons. First is a very practical reason. Our community groups will be looking at this book in October and November. How to Talk About Jesus by Sam Chan who is speaking at Rivendell next year, God willing. It's subtitled, uh, How to Talk About Jesus, subtitled, Without Being That Guy. Sam is not that guy, which is good. Now we'll let you know more about uh, this community group series in the coming weeks. Rowan and Emma have been working on the studies. They're good, it'll be a little bit like a book club, and I'm hoping to get Sam Chan in for a Zoom interview or Q and A. The series is good in October and November as we look forward to Christmas, which as I often say is a free kick in terms of inviting your friends to church. Second reason we're doing it is this is about our mission as a church. We have a mission in this church. Paul Bunnett gave it to us in 2009. It is to fill the city with Christ's teaching. God has placed us here in the city and we do this ahead of The vision, God's ultimate vision, and therefore our vision, we look forward to the time when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the same way that the waters cover the sea. Now, so far, of course, our efforts are but a drop in the ocean. We do what we can. And yet Christ will fill heaven and earth. And so we work to this end, declaring the truth of the gospel in love and in humility, This is why we exist. This is why we're here. The third reason for the series is this is about training. Now, many of us feel it's hard to share our faith. There are times when I do. In the last National Church Life Survey, only 17% of us feel at ease talking about our faith and look for opportunities 27 percent of us here at church find it hard to talk about our faith in ordinary language it's good news uh, more than half of us feel at ease and do so talk about our faith when the opportunity arises but how often does the opportunity arise and how do we make the most of every opportunity we believe that this is a weak spot in our strategic plan, and yet a full one quarter of you want us to prioritise this in our church, namely the encouragement to share faith and invite people. I hope this series is an encouragement for you, fuel in your tank, to move forward, to take a step forward, to get mission back on your radar, on our radar. And maybe we will be deeply challenged to take our faith seriously. And one of the ways we take our faith seriously is verbalising it to those who don't believe it. Here is a verse that's been very important to me for a long time. The Apostle Paul wrote it, I believed and so I spoke. Paul was quoting Psalm 116, he goes on, Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. There is then a link between the heart, what you believe in your heart, and the mouth, what you confess with your lips. Robert Munger wrote, Evangelism is the spontaneous overflow of a glad and free heart in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or as the psalmist says, that the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Evangelism may seem intimidating, but it's very simple at its heart. Simple than we think. It is simply telling someone the Christian story. It is your faith expressed in ordinary language, telling God's great love story, the greatest love story ever embedded in divine hope. By the way, don't let anybody tell you that Christianity is irrelevant. It deals in fact with everything. Everyone cares about love, joy, peace, hope, joy. I'll go back, Oliver. By the way, don't let anyone tell you that Christianity is irrelevant. It deals with everything that everyone cares about. Love, hope, joy, peace, justice, compassion, grace. Who does not care about these things? The word evangelism means declaring the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, The Greek word from which it's derived is the word euangelion and it means grand news, uh, news announced with joy, like the end of World War II, like the birth of a future queen or king, like the pandemic is over or your debt is cleared. Since the day of Pentecost, people have been sharing the faith, and someone shared the gospel with you, and someone shared it with them, and someone shared it with that person. That means that if you had God's knowledge of the world, your faith could be traced to that upper room on the day of Pentecost, like a family tree. And we know that part of our deeper discipleship here at church is that we learn a gracious witness. In the Bible, evangelism is done with joy, humility and confidence, as opposed to doing it out of guilt or arrogance or out of fear. And that's because we aren't selling anything. Robert Halverson, evangelism is not not salesmanship. It is not urging people, pressing them, coercing them, overwhelming them or subduing them. Evangelism is telling a message, it is reporting good news. Some of us have FSL, faith as a second language. It's a bit like ESL, English as a second language. Maybe you became a believer when you're an adult and you feel like you don't have the words. But, you know, someone famously said, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar Where to find food. No sense of superiority, no expert voice, just good news. And in a world where people spread ideas with the actual sword, with coercion, Christians have only one weapon, a message delivered with love. Persuasion for sure, but out of gentleness and respect. It's very simple. I once was dead in my sins. But God made me alive in Jesus Christ. I once was broken, God put, Christ put me back together. I once was blind but now I see. In the Alpha Course, which you could join um, this week, in the Alpha Course Bear Grills, remember him? He says this, uh, people ask, doesn't that make faith like a crutch? Maybe. But what does a crutch do a crutch helps you stand makes you stronger in that case sure i need that but especially when it's so much more than that this faith inside me he writes is also like a backbone helping me to stand tall and helping me be strong when i'm really up against it not a crutch but rather a backbone i'm keeping that for an i speak to someone about jesus To lead into the series, I've got the simplest of messages from Acts 8, this drop-dead, stunning example of personal evangelism, Philip and the Ethiopian, depicted here by Rembrandt. St Philip's, of course, was named after Philip uh, in this chapter. Here in Acts 8 is one of the earliest accounts of personal evangelism. No coercion, one-on-one, no sword, no politics, just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. So, seven verbs to keep in mind when you speak all in your outline, in your downloaded order of service. Find a person of peace. Read a small section of scripture. Ask and answer questions directly, simply. Share the story of Jesus, that's important. Give a reason for the hope that's inside of you. Deal with the fetters and lead to baptism to choice find read ask and answer share give deal and lead firstly find a person of peace you don't have to find the hardest soul the biggest cynic the bolshiest atheist the person doesn't have to be even a member of your family where there's history and future to take into consideration although it might be Find a person of peace this month, which is someone willing to talk to you. Perhaps someone within your five kilometres. Open to you, kind even. Listen to Jesus in Luke 10. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them and stay there with them. In Acts chapter 8 God leads Philip to a person of peace. You can see that in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That of course is a real road, not a fictional road. You can see it here, possibly that little green line there. In theory, I presume you could walk the road today. About 90 kilometres, a little more. Although good luck crossing the border into the Gaza Strip. Even Google Maps wouldn't let me do that. Back then, Philip meets an Ethiopian. We're told in verse 27. He's a eunuch. A servant who's high up in the Ethiopian government uh, in charge of the treasury of Kandaki. Queen of the Ethiopians. We read in verse 27, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. So he's king, he's a person of peace, he's honestly trying to find God and he's having a break on his journey and he's reading a part of the Bible, but he doesn't know Jesus. What's interesting interesting to me is that he's gone to Jerusalem to worship But he did not find God there in Jerusalem, not in a place, but rather on his way home with his Bible open. God uses his words and a particular word in a miraculous way. And this Ethiopian wants to know what these words mean. He wants someone to explain it to him. Verse 31, he is a person of peace. Now, Do you know what I mean when I say that? Can you think of such a person right now, in your mind? They don't belittle you, they're not argumentative, they're willing to invite you into their home when they can. I've got my neighbour in mind on Trinity Avenue, uh, a gentleman in his thirties, he's Australian born, but with an Iraqi background, an Iraqi Christian background, I think. He's an academic uh, with his thesis in tribal violence in um, regions of Afghanistan, and he teaches religion at university. He says that at the moment he's a spiritual atheist, but he's willing to hear me out and I him. He wants to walk with me in lockdown and I want to walk with him. He asked me the other day, he says, I'm trying to put together the covenants of Abraham and Moses and of David and how they relate to Jesus. And really, it was the week after I'd, we'd finished the series Stopped in God Mega Story. He currently has the YouTube playlist. He wants to find someone to explain it to him. So I make time for him every Wednesday. Who knows what will happen, but the first point is find a person of peace. Secondly, read a small section of scripture. Don't be afraid to do that. God has directed the Ethiopian to Isaiah chapter 53 to a text written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ that clearly predicts Jesus Christ. It predicts an unnamed one, one to come, who will suffer an unjust death in order to justify many. So he's reading the book of Isaiah and he's hoping to find God. Luke tells us what he's reading. The passage of scripture the eunuch was reading is, was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken? from the earth he died now that of course is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 53 verses 7 and 8 that whole chapter is about a servant not named who does not look impressive he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of so- suffering sorrows and familiar with pain who's singing the the handless messiah in their mind as we listen Uh, That passage, Isaiah, written hundreds of years before Jesus, goes on. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I had a person of peace when I lived in New York City. He was a rabbi, to be honest, not about to change his mind. Uh, he was a young fellow. Um, he was the chaplain of, the, of New York University, the Jewish chaplain. And I went to his home for Sabbath one time around Easter, and his table was full of non-practicing Jews. They were mostly atheists. And uh, the rabbi expla- asked me to explain to them what Good Friday meant, a person of peace. And he handed me from his uh, bookshelf, a full NIV Bible. And I read to them amongst others Isaiah chapter, a portion of Isaiah chapter 53. The rabbi tried to explain to them that it was Israel who suffered and there's a partial truth in that, which I can explain later, but the table picked it. They knew that the story related to Jesus. So find a passage of scripture and read it with them. Start reading it. Find the bits that you find easiest. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke, the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, Romans chapter 3, the whole of the gospel of John. Third, don't get complicated. Ask and answer questions directly. Ask simple questions and answer questions directly. How about this one? (laughs) The Ethiopian is reading Isaiah the prophet, and Philip asks, do you understand what you are reading? Isn't that breathtaking? Read a portion of scripture, do you understand it? What a great question, what a simple question. The Ethiopian replies with an equally humble question, he says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me, as a person of peace, this, of course, is a gift and maybe a rare one. Um, you know, how then, how, how then can I be saved? But I want to point out something simple in those verses. Don't get complicated. You don't have to. You're just telling someone the hope that you have. So ask Questions. And answer them simply and honestly. In fact, question asking is the forgotten art in evangelism. And when you answer questions, you know, a legitimate thing to say is look, I'm not sure, and uh, maybe we can arrange another time to, uh, as I, we could dig a little bit into the question that you're asking. The Ethiopian, of course, is reading Isaiah about an unnamed person, and uh, he goes on in verse 34 the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself, Isaiah, or or someone else? Help me then to understand the Bible. So, Third, ask and answer questions directly. And so, fourth, share the story of Jesus. Because that's what Philip does in verse 35. Jesus is at the heart of the gospel. He is the door to God. He is, as he says, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the risen and reigning Lord of all. So make it about him. Acts 8 verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage. didn't just stay there, but he began with that very passage of scripture and he told the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. Now there is evangelism in a nutshell. There'll be tricky things to talk about and there'll be emotions to handle and sensitivities. Apologetics, defending the faith, is not so simple. And, you know, maybe evangelism is complex in the day and age that we live in, and maybe with apathy being the primary response. But don't get above this simple truth from the late J.I. Packer. Our business is to present the Christian faith clothed in modern terms, right, ordinary language, Not to propagate modern thought, clothed in Christian terms. Confusion here is fatal. Share the story of Jesus as it is in the Gospels. Fifth, give a reason for the hope that you have, that's in you. Peter writes this, In your hearts revere Christ as Lord and not Caesar or any other boss. Always then be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So Peter writes, be prepared, and that's what this little three-week series is all about. That's what the book is about, and uh, the series uh, that we're going to have in community groups. But in the end, it's to be prepared to speak about what you already know, because the hope, is in you. Give a reason for the hope that you have, you already have. Put words on how you got it. Now, he's gifted with words, of course, but veteran journalist Greg Sheridan has done just that with this book. It's called Christians, the Urgent Case for Jesus in Our World. But if you pick it up, it's really just a couple of hundred pages of Sheridan, Putting himself out there, giving a a reason for the hope that he has. Because someone asked him. (laughs) Sixth, deal with defeaters. What do I mean? Well, a, a defeater belief is a thing. A defeater belief is a belief that someone has already. That trumps everything else. It is a prior conviction that rules out all other beliefs. You think you're laying you know, an ace of hearts and they lay down their little four of trumps and they walk away. A stumbling block, if you will. An example, a person has a prior belief, God doesn't exist, nothing you say will persuade them. You explain to them how God became one of us, but it is dismissed. Their prior belief defeats the gospel. Or miracles can't happen, so explain the resurrection, but it is dismissed out of hand. The church has hurt minorities, or it's hurt me. There's sort of an emotional defeater belief. You explain that God's love is infinite, but it is ruled out of hand because of a prior conviction. Now there's not a skerrick of a defeater belief in this Ethiopian but I'm adding it in here because it's important. Part of learning to evangelise will be answering these defeaters. Dr Tim Keller wrote a book called The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Scepticism. And a whole section of this book is dealing with modern defeater beliefs. I think that will be important, an important part of this preparation. Seventh and finally, lead to baptism. By which I mean lead them to make a decision. Don't leave them hanging. Do you agree that this story in Acts chapter 8 is a good one? In verse 36, as they travelled along the road, after having read the Bible and Philip explaining about Jesus, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing can stand in the way of him being baptised. And the Ethiopian gave orders to stop the chariot, stop it now. Then both Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water and Philip baptised him. He immersed him in water, but in the end he immersed him in Christ Jesus by faith. What this means is that the man made a choice to follow Jesus. He trusted him in that moment. He found God on the road to Gaza. He found Jesus Christ and made a commitment to follow him and no doubt he then brought the gospel to the Queen's household back home in Ethiopia. This here is a person giving their life to Jesus Christ. Philip wanted it and this is what we want. C.S. Lewis once wrote and you know classic Lewis style, the salvation of a single soul, a single, a single human, is more important than the production or preservation of of all the epics and tragedies in the world. Perhaps Lewis had Luke 15 in mind, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So, over time, find your voice. Join your community group to do the series we're going to look at. There's gifting here, of course, and so we're, we're going to talk about that over in, in the coming weeks. But f- still, find your voice. And let me leave you with another potential challenge from St Francis' facetis, something he also never said. Preach the Gospel at all times, and because it's necessary, use words Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Amen.